Let us worship God. Our first reading this morning is from the prophet Hosea, the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that we might hear a fresh word from you this day. Amen. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. 
I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeoboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Holy One who roars like a lion. When God roars, God's children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, says God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
reading from the Gospel of Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. Have you ever had the experience of clicking on something on your computer and suddenly your screen is screaming the scary message, fatal error. Oh no, what did I do? I feel like a fool. I don't know what happened or why or how. 
I'm still a newbie in matters technological. But it seems that a fatal error is when something gets corrupted in transmission. It forces a program or even the entire operating system to shut down. I have read that updates and rebooting can help. If only our Bibles had the ability to flash the fatal error screen to warn us when we have received the message in corrupted form. To warn us when we are being fools, going in a life-robbing direction without seeing the connections, causes, and consequences. Well, actually, that is what the big picture of the Bible is all about. Get the big picture, see the fatal error, turn around. Get updates, reboot, all before your operating system shuts down for the very last time. Do you remember the game, Pin the Tail on the Donkey? Finding yourself disoriented and being blindfolded and twirled around you bump around trying to find the donkey's back end and restore its tail. The consolation is hearing the laughter and possible shouts of help from your friends. It's a fun way to play the fool. It can also be an image of God's people constantly finding new ways to be lost in the desert. How many kinds of fools can you think of? Hosea shows us God as a kind of fool who keeps returning to his foolish people who keep turning away from their God. Our call is to turn from false gods and be fools for God. What is a fool? Well, the Greek word translated here as fool is aphron. A, a negating particle that means without, and phren, which refers to inner perspective as it regulates behavior. Or someone lacking true moderation because they fail to grasp the big picture of cause and effect relationships. Metanoia is our basic call from God. Another Greek word. What does it mean? Turn. Change, thank you. Change your way of thinking. See a new thing. I am showing you something new. Turn away from the fatal error of the fool and turn toward the grace and wisdom of God. Now, once we get the translation from the Greek, then we have to deal with the English word we use. I love where the English word comes from, the Latin folis, which means airbag, empty-headed. Our English dictionaries have several definitions for fool. 
one who is deficient in judgment, one who acts unwisely, or one who's been tricked or made to appear ridiculous. Maybe like me at my computer. A person with a talent or enthusiasm for a certain activity. This is the meaning for being a fool for God. A member of a royal or noble household who provided entertainment, as with jokes or antics, a jester. This is traditionally one way to speak truth to power. Or one who subverts convention or orthodoxy or varies from social conformity to reveal spiritual or moral truths. This meaning is used when calling God a fool. And the last definition I found, a dessert made of stewed or pureed fruit mixed with cream or custard and served cold, like a trifle. This may be the most enjoyable type of fool, but this word of the use of this use of the word is of uncertain origin and not related to the other meanings. God is a knowing, loving fool who keeps breaking proper protocol by calling the people to return, to come home. God's people are another kind of fool. They keep turning away as fools without a clue. God is portrayed as a rebel against the law not by not fulfilling the expected deserved punishment of his people. The people don't turn, so God turns. We keep fooling and getting fooled. A barber shop was filled with customers when a little boy walks into the shop. Looking at the little boy, the barber whispers to his customer, this is the most foolish kid in the world. Watch while I prove it to you. The barber puts a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other, then calls the boy over and asks, which do you want, son? The boy takes the quarters and leaves. What did I tell you, said the barber. That kid never learns, the barber said laughing. Later, when the customer leaves the shop, he sees the same young boy coming out of the ice cream store. Hey, son, may I ask you a question? Why did you take the quarters instead of the dollar bill? The boy licked his favorite ice cream flavor and replied, because the day I take the dollar, the game's over. <laughs> the boy is thinking of his future and the benefit of long-term investing. The story can go another way. My dad used to tell the story of how his uncle Francis would hold out a nickel and a dime and offer my dad a choice of gift. My dad would take the nickel, which was physically bigger 
knowing that it was worth less than a dime. In my own dad's mind, he played the fool to satisfy his uncle's delight. From my knowledge of Uncle Francis, I think he would have preferred my dad to learn the value of things and take the bigger gift. And I think that's the image of God. God invites us to take the gift. Uncle Francis was very generous. But from my perspective today, I understand my dad as having been shame-based and afraid to take the bigger gift. The prosperous farmer in today's gospel is being depicted as foolish rather than wicked. He is not foolish because he makes provision for the future. He is foolish because he thinks that by his wealth he can secure his future. He does not recognize the grain harvest as a gift to be multiplied by sharing. Our deepest needs cannot be fulfilled by material wealth. Many people, reflecting back over a long life, say that their greatest treasure has been their relationships. Others reflect and say their biggest regret is that they did not put more care into their relationships. The rich fool's sin consists in cutting himself off. He speaks only with I, me, my, mine, thinking he's done it all on his own. He dialogues only with himself. It's an unusual parable in that God speaks directly to the rich fool. God breaks through the man's isolation with a message of reality. The huge harvest is the work of earth and presumably servants and slaves. The rich fool did not create the wealth on his own. The abundance which earth offers is an inheritance for all. And death will teach us what we can keep and take with us. Jesus is not dismissing justice and family disputes over inheritance. He's not abandoning his role as rabbi. He is warning us of the fatal error of cutting off and being cut off from community. Not only does the rich fool want to build new and bigger barns, but he's not satisfied with what he already has. He wants to destroy it. Instead of sharing or even just resting and enjoying himself, he's working himself to death out of fear of not having more for the future. Something I and many of us can identify with in our present situation. A question kept coming to me as I read about the rich fool's satisfaction in having so much grain to store. How long does grain last in storage? 
I always loved visiting my godfather's farm and looking at his grain bins and pulling some of the grain out and just looking around. I also learned how gossipy farmers are. <laughs> they really watch each other. Um, how long does grain last in storage? Looking at present day information about grain storage, I learned when properly stored and monitored, grains can last for eight to 12 years. However, many factors can affect the storage life. So it's important to monitor your storage area and check your grains regularly. Keeping grains this long is much easier when you store them in smaller quantities because it's easier to control the environment. When it comes to storing bulk amounts that you've grown and intend to sell, your grain will be shelf-stable for much less time because it's difficult to control the temperature and moisture within massive grain containers. Typically, agricultural bulk grains will last between 6 and 12 months with close monitoring and proper storage facilities. Well, that poor rich fool is even more of a fool than I thought. His stored grain won't last long. And it takes constant monitoring. What kind of carefree retirement would that be? And I imagine the people in the crowd, like my godfather and his neighbors, watching each other carefully, they surely knew the perils of storing grain with the methods of their time and place. I suspect that the foolishness of building a bigger barn would have been clear to them all. The man in the crowd who interrupts Jesus seems to be a clueless fool. He's not been listening to Jesus. The gift of Jesus went right over his head. Jesus' teaching is about our shared inheritance as children of God. The guy who doesn't get it just sees a stage for his preoccupation with a lesser inheritance. He's something like people who write to Dear Abby or Miss Manners saying, Tell my brother how wrong he is. Jesus is even better than Dear Abby or Miss Manners. He's good at not getting hooked or manipulated. And he listens to that man, that clueless fool with love and brings him into the story to remove his blinders and turn him away from the fatal error. Jesus invites us to see a new and better way. The clueless man's interruption becomes an opportunity for Jesus to expand his teaching. And even the rich fool becomes an ironic illustration of another teaching of Jesus, if you remember Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The rich fool's death will deliver his grain to others. That's hope for the common good.
There's a story told about a reporter asking John D. Rockefeller, a very rich man of early 20th century, how much wealth would finally be enough? Rockefeller answered, just a little bit more. St. Ambrose, the teacher of St. Augustine, is said to have written, the things that we cannot take away with us are not ours. Compassion alone follows us. St. Augustine commented about the rich fool, he did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. We become rich in God when we use what belongs to God in ways that multiply those gifts in gratitude and community.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in bread, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. That new world beckons from afar, invites our shared endeavor that all may have abundant life and peace endure forever. May it be so for you and for me. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.